Al Anderson Afternoons, the podcast. Hey, thanks for checking out the podcast. Coming up, Tanya Williams and Julie Lamont from the Children's Hospital Book Market. It starts Thursday at St. Vitale Center. Gary Simmons from Delta 9 Cannabis will be on the podcast today. They're opening up a superstore over on Dakota. What's that going to be like? Jeff Braun, one of the couch potatoes. We'll talk about the greatest movie trilogies of all time. And Monica Dirksen, the director of the Winnipeg Santa Claus Parade. The parade could be in trouble saying ain't so... Please subscribe to the podcast. Please rate the podcast. And now, the podcast. We are now going to talk about a big event that gets going Thursday at St. Vitale Center, the Children's Hospital Book Market. Tanya Williams is here. Julie Lamonth is here. Guys, thanks a lot for coming in today. Thanks for having us. Appreciate it. Hi. I will get to you, Julie, in a moment. Okay. Tanya, tell, <laughs> us about this, uh, tell us about this bookmark. This has been going on for a long, long time. Can you believe it, Hal? 58 years. Isn't that something, it was, eh? It was started by a group off the Children's Hospital Guild, and they wanted to raise money and give back. And they started making, you know, maybe a couple hundred dollars a sale. Yeah. And last year, they made $688,000. That is incredible. It is. Uh, it was incredible. Old books. Old books, all run by volunteers. 400 volunteers that work almost 365 days a year, would you believe? Wow. Yeah, it's this whole secret operation, kind of underground. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> it's, uh, it's, uh, it is literally, it's in, in this building, and they have great... Um, people that pick up books at the different yeah. fire halls and at Dufresne Furniture, and it's a really great setup they have. And, and they have the, the, the pricing group. They have the Wednesday, you know, the Monday sorting group, the Tuesday pricing group, right. and it's really become a family. Even if someone's been sick in that family, they will all work together to um, make sure that they have meals prepared and everything. So yeah. it's such a great community, and we're so lucky to have them as volunteers. Yeah. Well, and normally you hook me up with Carol. Uh, yes. We usually talk to Carol, who has done it for many, many almost all of those well, years. Her aunt actually started it, so wow. she literally. You know, out of the womb, she was there working yeah. hard alongside her aunt, and then she took over as coordinator, and has mm-hmm. just been doing a stellar job. And uh, Julie, uh, maybe talk a bit about where some of this money goes, because you are at Children's Hospital. You're seeing this money go to use. That's right. So uh, I manage the, the child life department at the Children's Hospital, and uh, this money goes directly to fund two of our programs there. One of them is uh, CHTV, which is a, a closed-circuit um, television station within oh. Children's Hospital. So that uh, is transmitted to all the rooms within Children's Hospital as well as our outpatient areas. Uh, and as a way to connect with kids who are potentially isolated in the room in hospital for long periods of time, uh, it's a way to connect with them and provide them, you know, alleviate some of their stress and anxiety of being there and provide some uh, much-needed interaction and stimulation mm. um, is great in a way that they can um, they can call into the show they can come down and, and be co host yeah play yeah. bingo right. um, so if we're playing bingo or doing a craft the, the child life specialists take up the crafts in the morning and then they um, do them along with the kids mm-hmm. in the afternoon so it's a great way just to help, um, you know, get a change from the mundane and it's commercial free. So it's, yeah. uh, um, it just, it, we're able to also um, touch a lot of kids at the same time. So when we have special guests and we can have them on CHTV mm-hmm. and every kid can be a part of that experience, whether it's the Jets or the Bombers or yeah. anyone else coming in, it's just a fabulous, uh, a fabulous way to connect with them. So that's one of the programs. Our other program um, that this supports is our library program. Uh, so we that it's in two parts. One is a, a lending library for um, patients and families. 
Uh, so we we loan out books to thousands of kids every year. We have carts that go around the children's hospital as well as some of our outpatient yeah. clinics. Um, and this, again, just gives them, normalises the environment for them. It alleviates some of that stress and anxiety that they're going yeah. through. Um, the other part of it is the uh, the family information library to where we act as a resource for um, information related to chronic illness, just um, coping, different types of information that, that families and kids are looking for just to help them cope with mm-hmm. the hospital experience or what they're they're currently going through. Uh, so, yeah, so we rely heavily on yeah. this, the, the money that comes from the book market to fund these programs. So goes to good use. The goes, money goes to very ex- good use. Yeah. use yes. yeah. I was on CHTV many years ago, uh, one of the visits uh, back in the telethon days. Remember when oh, Children's yes, Hospital used totally. to do the telethons, all that kind of stuff? So, yeah, it's great. And you're right, it's, it, it's not little, but it's little things like that that really take away all the stress, not all of it, but m- much of the stress for the kids, right? They're That's in the true. hospital, they're they're scared, they're worried, and, you know, they've got this TV they can watch and the library and the books, and it, it's so important. I think Absolutely. as adults, we can uh, adapt pretty easily to our environments. Yeah. But for a kid to walk in, mm-hmm. um, and we've done a lot of research on this, and we've noticed that if kids have a positive experience when they're at the children's hospital or, or in general for medical care, yeah. they will come back as an adult. Mm-hmm. If they don't have a positive experience as a child, that trauma will stay with them, and mm-hmm. chances are they may not get the care they need when they become an adult. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. Okay, so let's talk about the sale. Uh, I, I'm kind of an old school guy, so I love the fact that people are buying books. Right? We're <laughs> yes. not reading. A, we're not reading things on a screen. Exactly. Uh, people are are buying books, and uh, and as you said, it's a kind of a year round thing, Tanya. You know, uh, and and maybe talk about your website. People can find the hours there. It starts Definitely. on Thursday, Saint Vitale Center. Yeah. But there's also ways they can get books to the book market during the year. Just exactly. Touch, yeah, touch sure. on some of that uh, stuff. So the book sale obviously starts Thursday. It goes to Saturday. Um, the hours are available on our website at goodbear.ca. Um, if anybody has books that they would like to donate, we actually have a list on our website at goodbear.ca um, that explains what the book market doesn't take because there's mm-hmm. some things like outdated textbooks that they won't take. Um, but also they can be dropped off at any Winnipeg Fire Hall or uh, Dufresne Furniture Store. Um, but one thing that I love, Hal, about the book market is that, in, as you said, the books, but we're talking like 25-cent books and yeah. the books in mint condition. Cheap, right. Totally. And yeah. I've actually, and I hope none of my family is listening, but we actually, <laughs> I actually do Christmas shopping there. Yeah, that's a great it's, idea. It's a great way. I take yeah. my kids and I explain to my kids, you know, by you spending 25 cents out of your piggy bank, mm-hmm. you're helping a sick child like yourself. So it's just a great way to to teach kids about philanthropy and giving back. Um, it's a great way to support the community, and and mm-hmm. you know Saint Vitale Center is a great venue too. Yeah, guys, we're almost out of time. So uh, Julie, any last thoughts? Maybe talk a bit about uh, the book market. You, you've experienced it, maybe. Uh Yes, uh, your, your your chance here. I got to ask you about your accent. Where oh, are you from? I'm from Scotland. <laughs> from Scotland. How long yeah. have you been here? A uh, long time. <laughs> but, you, but you kept your accent. Wow. Not really. But, well, for us, it, for it us sounds it like is, you yeah. kept your accent. Yeah. Anyhow, sorry, I, I got off track there, but I, I love the accent. So yes, no. Um, the the book market is just a it's a wonderful venue. It's a wonderful place to take your kids, mm-hmm. and um, you know, I I can't see enough about those volunteers, and I just would like to thank them while I have this opportunity. Their um their dedication and the amount of work they put into this um it is so. 
meaningful and uh, has such an impact in the yeah. lives of kids at Children's Hospital. Yeah, so and it, it really is incredible. As you say, it's all done by volunteers totally. and to raise $680,000 last year. I exactly. mean, that's just unheard of. And it's 120,000 kids that come through the hospital each year. And that's mm. from all over Manitoba, Nunavut, Northwestern Ontario. So it's a big catchment and we're lucky to have the Children's Hospital book market to be such a great fundraiser for the hospital. Yeah. And doesn't look like it's slowing down anytime soon. They don't stop and we love them for it. Yeah. 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 It's it's great when you can count on money like that every year, right? Because, I mean, we're talking about the Santa Claus Parade today and how difficult it is to get dollars to make these events continue. And, you know, yeah. when you can count on a significant amount of money like that every year, it's huge. Oh, it's huge. And especially, as, as Julie said, the impact it makes on the kids. They look so forward to that, that show with No Name the Puppet. And it was actually the first of... Oh, I forgot to mention yeah. No Name the Superstar of the show of CHTV. If did you meet No Name? <laughs> Have you met no, no I don't think... I don't know if I did or not. I'm not sure. He's the blue puppet. Yes, yeah. and uh, he is the star of every show. So the great thing is that the kids make a connection with the puppet. So for kids who come in multiple times, they keep that connection going with him. And uh, he is a bit of a superstar around yeah. these parts. And he had a huge big spread in the free press not so long wow. ago as well. Yeah. yeah but, well, uh, next time get him on this show, or is he, or is he too big for this show? We'll, we'll have you on his show. Okay. We'll bring you down. All right. Yeah, we'll yeah. that. Sure, we can do that. Hey, uh, uh, Tanya, thank you very much, and, thank you. and Julie, thank you guys. Best of luck. It starts Thursday at Saint Patel Center. Thursday get out morning. there. Yep. Children's Hospital Book Market goes until Saturday, and again, goodbear.ca. Goodbear.ca. Exactly. And thank you, website. Hal. You've always been such a great yeah. supporter of us, no, and no, we really appreciate no, it. Happy to do it. Tanya Williams and Judy Lamont. Before we get into our next interview, I'll let Nikki Judy sort of set the table for us here. Take a listen. St. Fatale is getting what Delta 9 is calling a pot superstore. It's their biggest location set to open in the province. They're also eyeing up a spot in Osborne Village and Brandon, but they have secured a spot in Thompson. Pot Grower Tweed also announced three locations in the province, two in Winnipeg and one in Brandon. Nikki Judy, Global News. Thank you, Nikki. And joining us on the phone now from Delta 9 Cannabis, it's uh, Gary Simmons. Good afternoon, Gary. Good afternoon. I'm thank, glad to be here. Thank you for doing this. I really appreciate it. So congratulations, uh, first of all. And uh, I, I thought I would get you on to tell us what that experience is going to be like when we walk into your pot superstore on Dakota in St. Vitale by the mall. What's that going to be like? Am I going to be able to sample? I mean, tell me about it. I, this is all new. Yeah, sure. Well, you, you can't sample because there are no uh for example smoking lounges or anything like that allowed right. in manitoba um that i think that might be something that changes in the future but we'll just have to see but uh you know in terms of appearance it it might be a little bit like going into an apple store but instead of having computers you're going to see you know products under these glass shelves you'll see uh, uh, usually they'll have like a little glass sort of case and then uh, sort of a magnifying glass for for the gourmets who kind of want to see the crystal structure of the uh, bud and that kind of thing. But, you know, in terms of appearance, it isn't kind of your, you know, sleazy back alley store. It really is kind of very upscale, um, you know, and, and kind of does look a little bit uh, like an Apple store, you know, very clean kind of European lines. And there's going to be quite a few employees there who are highly trained in this. They've been going through training for the last number of months. And, um, 
there will be about 35 people just in the St. Vital store, not at one time, but that's how many employees there are. But, you know, in the first week or so, I'd say we will probably have about 10 people in that store because there's going to be a lot of people who are experienced cannabis users, and then there's going to be others who aren't. And so what we want to do as a company is make sure that when people go there, they have a good experience, not a bad experience. Mm-hmm. And will there be uh, various strain? What is it? Flavors? I mean, I'm sorry, I haven't got the terminology oh, down strains, here. Yeah. Well, the strains do have flavors, as any gourmet will tell you. Okay. Uh, uh, that's why we have even pot sommeliers, so to speak. Really? But, uh, oh, yes, absolutely. Um, so you know, we have the bud tenders who are will be able, or the uh, the bud master guys who'll be able to tell you exactly about anything you want to know about any strain. So it really depends on what people want. So some people who are much more acclimated to cannabis, they're going to want a much higher THC level because, you know, they've been consuming it over a period of time. For example, Mm -hmm. medical patients who have to have large amounts of cannabis have a much higher tolerance than people who don't or who are new to it. Mm -hmm. So, for example, those people might go with a... Um, you know, super lemon haze, which is a much higher THC level. At, I think it's 21% or something. Um, you know, whereas other people who are new to it might want to go with something, you know, like a Delta 9 house blend, which is a much lower THC. So, you know, going in there, you can kind of get the information you need. We don't want people taking, you know, more than would be right for them. Um, so talking to those people makes a lot of sense, especially if you're new to cannabis. Right. So say, for example, I've, I've not used cannabis, so I go in, if I get a, a strain that has a real high level of what gets you high, the, the THC, uh, that might be a bad experience for me. So your bud Absolutely. master would maybe steer me to something that's a little more palatable for somebody that hasn't really done a lot of pot. Yeah, that's right. And also, you know, you make decisions about how you want to consume. Some people, you know, we don't have edibles yet, but there are initially right now, we can sell oil and we can sell dried butt, right? And so, you know, some people would prefer the oil. A lot of medical patients, for example, take oil. Uh, and then other people prefer smoking. So, you know, you can you can make choices about how you consume, how much you consume, it's a good idea, you know, your first day out, you're not going to want to roll a cigar or anything like that. You want to kind of take it easy, just like just like a sensible person would with alcohol. You know, you want to go out and enjoy yourself. You don't want to overconsume. So mm-hmm. I think uh, going there and learning a bit about it first is really important. That's why we spend a lot of time on training. And how much of your customer base do you think will be people that are coming to buy it for medical purposes? Well, I think there will be quite a few, but it'll be hard for us to tell because we wouldn't be necessarily asking that question. If people want to tell us, that's up to them. Um, we have somewhere around 3,500 to 4,000 medical patients that buy from us regularly now. Um, it'd be pretty hard to say how many are going to come to the store, but it's going to be hard to count because unless they volunteer that information, we just wouldn't know. Mm-hmm. Um, now, historically, if you look at other jurisdictions, uh, and this is over time, you know, for example, Colorado probably has the best statistics. And I believe even now about 30, 35% of the market is actually medical in Colorado. Um, but I don't think it'll be that high here in Canada because we don't really have a lot of doctors prescribing. So people may be taking it for medical purposes. And I speak to many people who take it for medical purposes all the time, but 
but they may not necessarily say that to us. So right. I don't think we're going to have very good numbers on it, unfortunately, for a while. Yeah. And in the past, they have needed a prescription from their doctor. Now they won't need that, will they? No, they won't. Not to buy it. Um, now, that said, we still think it's really important that if people are taking cannabis for medical reasons, then they should consult a doctor because typically people you know, consume more cannabis for medical purposes because they need to. So they need to take it on a pretty uh, ongoing basis for, you know, might be pain or for uh, restoring your appetite if you're suffering from the side effects of chemotherapy, things like that, right? You take a much greater amount. So for that reason, and because there may be other drugs you're taking, we think it's a really good idea to go see your doctor. And, and in fact, we actually run a clinic on River Street where people can get that information from physicians there and get a prescription. So even though you don't need a prescription, we still think it's a good idea to get medical supervision. And that's something that we want to work with the government much more on to encourage that rather than just say, you know, figure it out yourself. And will Delta 9 also sell the oil that I know some people use now for medical purposes that doesn't have that high THC? Do you sell that oil as well? Or is this just... Oh, yes. Okay, yes. you do. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the high CBD, low THC is a very important product. I mean, the most famous example is it's used to treat Ravet syndrome, which is a very severe form of epilepsy that's uh, it's not very common, but uh, it generally strikes children and it is typically fatal in a short time. And so it's a very, very important product. Um, we're also doing a lot of research and development. Uh, as you may have heard, we have a, an agreement with a, we have the master license with a company called Nanosphere and we are jointly developing a very, very precise dosage uh, system that is that is really, I think, will revolutionize medical cannabis in this country and beyond. So, you know, we take both sides of it very seriously. I think the recreational will obviously be where the big boom is right now. But I also think in the future, you know, we are definitely pushing ahead with research and development so that we can help patients who, who really do depend on cannabis. So I've never really used it before. I walk into the new store at Delta 9. What's a typical amount that I might buy, and how much would that cost me? Well, I, I would say that most people, based on the research we've done in, uh, let's face it, illegal dispensaries uh, across the country, it's pretty typical for people to buy, you know, three and a half grams. That's that's usually a pretty typical amount, and it really depends on what you're buying, too, because there's kind of the ultra-premium uh, uh, cannabis and then right down to the less expensive. But, you know, typically a gram, I think, is going to be anywhere from, you know, $7 to $12, and for some suppliers, probably higher than that. Um, so I think it's going to be kind of, most of it will be in the 8 to $12 range, I think, for most stores. And how would that compare now on the black market price? Pretty similar, to be honest. Um, you know, prices have dropped in a lot of jurisdictions on the black market. Um, you know, I don't usually share this, but I formerly I was actually a investigative crime reporter, so hmm. <laughs> I've been around that world for a very long time. But yeah. The the prices have typically been dropping because, uh, frankly, a lot of the stores and a lot of the people who supply those stores are blowing out product as fast as they can do it. So you know, those prices have dropped, but in the past you would get, you know, say the three and a half gram uh, amount, uh, which would be sort of your typical baggie that you would buy from a dispensary. And it'd be about 40 bucks or something. And then, you know, it started dropping to around 30 and 
And, you know, they're always blowing out large amounts at uh, very low prices right now. So I would say it's pretty typical with what we've seen in past years, though, when you saw it, you saw it around that $40 range. Mm -hmm. You have a location secured in Thompson. You have a location secured in Brandon, correct? Uh, Yes, we do. Now, when we say secured, uh, we have to go through this process with the government. So they do a final approval. Uh um, And so we have applied for certain locations. Now, the ones that have been approved are the ones in St. Vital. And then we've also got the one up in Thompson, which is at the uh, Mystery Lake Road. Okay. uh, Near the Walmart, if you know the area. And then we have uh, one on River Road. Uh, down in Osborne Village, right across from the Starbucks. Not exactly a secret because there's a big coming soon sign on the front. And then the one in Brandon, we haven't released the location just because there's some final detail work we're going through before we you know, lock that one down. But but the, the latter two I mentioned, we have to do a site-specific agreement on every single location with the uh, Manitoba government. Mm. So it's only after that that happens that we can say yes we are definitely opening a store there but those are the areas we're looking at and what's the I'm, I'm sorry i'm just trying to collect some other info here for somebody else that was asking in our newsroom what's the address of the place on river oh it's uh i believe it's 478 it's uh uh right across the street from the starbucks and where the ups store yep. is okay um, mm-hmm. but i believe and i'll just check this really quickly because i don't want to give you the wrong information uh, let's see here. And that has yeah, been secured. That location is secure. Well, we haven't done the site specific ah, okay. agreement, but I am expecting yeah. that we will get that one through. But okay. again, that's up to the province before sure. we can announce anything to do with that. Yeah. Hey, Gary, I really appreciate this. Cause I, you know, I saw the announcement today and I thought, well, geez, what's this, what is this going to be like? Do you get that question a lot from people? I'll bet you do. Oh, I get it all the time. And, you know, I mean, it is, it's going to be really cool. I'm, you know, I, I actually work in BC because I work a lot on the communications and finance side, but I'm flying out for the opening and I'm bringing my wife with me because this is going to be history. I mean, we want to see this on day one when it happens and it's going to be, it's going to be amazing, I think. That, of course, is the theme music from Indiana Jones, which has been named the best movie trilogy of all time. Jeff Braun, one of the Couch Potatoes. What do you think of that? Ah, that, that's a weird one. There's lots of good ones, though. There are lots of good ones. And I I like the Indiana Jones movies a lot. They yeah. are, they're fun to watch every mm-hmm. single time. Well, there's four of them, for one thing, so that sort of doesn't check out. Well, this I guess they take the, the first three. The three that came. They, they, I guess they had three all in the 80s. Right. They, they took don't, 15 they, years off and made another one. Yeah, they don't include uh, Kingdom of, of the, the Crystal, Crystal Skull. Skull. Yeah. They don't include they, that. They should. But anyhow, they talked to 2,000 people, so a pretty significant yeah, study here, I guess, right? Second place went to Jurassic Park. Third place, the Godfather trilogy. I almost think Godfather might be first, but that's just me. And then apparently high marks to Back to the Future, Lord of the Rings. You were saying to me before we started, you think maybe Lord of the Rings should have been up there. Well, those three are, those are really good. Like the degree of difficulty on those movies is yeah. off the charts. They True. were amazing. And, and the, didn't they shoot them all at the same time? Yeah. 
with New Line Cinema's money, and New Line didn't have a, like right. if those movies had failed, that movie studio was dead. Was it? Period. They put all their eggs in that basket. Yeah, and they they swept the Oscars when the third one came out. And then what about Star Wars? Yeah, how have you not said Star Wars yet? That must. Maybe the, the, was it? Uh, I know Star Wars is not popular in China. They don't make a lot of money in China. Did this, is that where they did the I survey? don't know. <laughs> well, it's in North America. They yeah, talked to yeah, two thousand yeah. people in North America, and That's they strange. came up with Indiana Jones. Now, don't get me wrong. Yeah, they're all great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. they are. And it really becomes super yeah. subjective. Yeah, and you wonder how close the votes were. Did it miss yeah. by one? Blah blah blah. All but that think about the difficulty of making a successful movie. Yep. Let alone a successful trilogy. Absolutely. I think that's probably what hurt The Godfather was that third one that nobody seems to was like. Was it two or three? It was three. Two, okay. Everyone says two is equally as good. Maybe one of the best sequels ever, all that sort yeah. of thing. So. Mm-hmm. But the third one nobody seems to like. Uh, right. He put his daughter in it, Sofia Coppola. Yeah. And Andy Garcia's in it. And I I don't mean to be mean to Andy Garcia. I pick on him a lot during <laughs> the couch potatoes, but he does he, he does not make your movie better by adding him to it. Yeah. I, think, so. I would probably agree with that. Yeah. So there you go. Let's discuss. Oh. 204-780-6868, Hal at CJOB.com. I'm not sure how I feel about this. I like that Back to the Future trilogy, too. Yeah. That's so much fun. I know. And and I guess, you, uh, what's his name? Keanu Reeves. Yeah. The Matrix trilogy? I guess that doesn't... The first one, Yeah, for let's sure. talk about ones that we haven't mentioned now. Yeah. Matrix, that's one. Except the two and three people were sort of ho-hum on that. But. Yeah. Uh, he might have another. He's gonna. The John Wick three's coming out next year, I think. So, hmm. have you seen John Wick? I have, and I didn't like you it. You didn't like it? Actually. No, I, I, I didn't. It's one of my f- favorite first. Really, yeah, eh? I love him. So maybe I need honestly, to revisit it. A year from sure. now, talking trilogies, I'll be bringing John Wick into the conversation. Every wow, time. you're a big fan. So yeah. yeah, I would be curious because I can't think of any that we've missed or that no. have not been. I mean, there are others, but you know significant trilogies. I like that they put Jurassic Park in there. I watched the two and three this past weekend, actually. I hadn't mm-hmm. seen them in a long time. And yeah. uh, two was a little worse than I remembered, and three was a little better than I remembered. There you and, go. And the first one's a stone-cold classic. So yeah. Well, and the, cl- and the special effects for the time, right? Yeah. I mean, incredible. Well, they weird. stand up today. The first one does. They, they get worse as two and three go along somehow. Oh, really, eh? But I think their budget maybe went down, and uh, Spielberg didn't direct that third one. So Yeah. And but I yeah, can, and for the time, that's amazing. Well, sure. And I can see where real film types might say, well, it's The Godfather. Yeah, for sure. Right? Yeah. And I understand where those people would maybe say, Back to the Future. Are you kidding me? But as far as popular movies go, yeah. I think Back to the Future has to be higher. And then I guess you can't add these superhero movie, the Marvel movies, or the Harry Potters, because right. there's how do you construct a trilogy? Of, you know what I mean? True. That's there's just too many of them. Yeah. And then speaking of, I thought of another one. Okay. The Dark Knight trilogy, the Batman, Christopher Nolan ones. Yeah. That's that, not <laughs> even mentioned here. So there are others. Yeah, there's lots. It's just super subject, uh, subjective, as I said. Yeah. Clint Eastwood, the Man with No Name, Western trilogy. Uh, no. No? Right. I don't think so. No. But let's discuss it. 204-780-6868-HAL at CGOB.com. Uh, what do you think of this ranking? How would you rank it? Is there one that we have not thought of that you think deserves to be near the top of this uh, survey? 2,000 people uh, weighed in, and they say the best movie trilogy of all time, Indiana Jones. By the way, I went and saw The Nun on the weekend. Oh, how was that? It wasn't as bad. I went in thinking this is not going to be good, but we decided we would watch it in the theater because 
It's more fun. Other movies we could watch at home. If this yeah. one's got jump scares. Yeah, yeah. We should maybe go and see it. It wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to be. It was okay. Was it scary? Mm, was it gross? There were some jump scares. It wasn't really... No, I didn't find it really scary. No. And mm. and the jump scares were there, but it wasn't gross, really. No. It was just kind of okay hmm, in many ways. Yeah. And, and that's uh, kind of part of the whole conjuring thing, right? Yeah. And uh, Brett always says those first couple of conjuring movies were They're like good. terrifying. Yeah. Like genuinely, genuinely scaring. When Brett and I talked about the scariest movies of all time, he brought those up. Oh, he did. Yeah. As uh, for him... Some of the scariest movies. And they are good. I don't know if they're the scariest movies of all time, uh, but they are good. But The Nun, eh. If, if you like jumping, if you like to be scared, go and watch it in the theater. Otherwise, I think it's a rent. No thanks. Yeah. All right, Jeff, thank you very much. You're welcome. We're going to chat right now with Monica Dirksen. She is the director of the Winnipeg Santa Claus Parade. Monica, thank you for doing this. I appreciate it. Oh, no problem. Thanks for having me. So a lot of reaction. I'm going to uh, take some phone calls here in a bit and read some text messages and emails. A lot of people concerned about the future of the Santa Claus Parade. Is there a good chance that the parade might come to an end, or I, I noticed just after I went on the air at 1 o'clock, somebody donated $1,000 on the GoFundMe page. Did you see that? Yeah, I did see that. Um, yeah, I mean, like a $68,000 uh, shortfall is a, is a big number. Um, I, at this point, we can't recover from that without help. So we are hoping that this will sort of activate people's interest in the GoFundMe. Potentially it'll um, bring out some new sponsors or supporters, um, and hopefully we can get there in 10 days. Is there any big potential sponsor waiting in the wings, or it's the GoFundMe page and that's it? Uh, well, we have parade sponsors who always come back every year, and we're continually um, you know, looking for more and having a lot of conversations. Uh, is there a big $50,000 one in the wings? Not yet, no. Um, we do sort of hope that this urgent message goes out to the right people and potentially, whether it's one, whether it's uh, five at 10000 at this point we're unsure of how it's actually going to play out. Um, but we are, we're are we hoping that Winnipeggers come through for us and, and keep this 108-year uh, tradition alive. Are you surprised that somebody, a big company, hasn't stepped forward because you set up the GoFundMe back in July? Are you surprised that somebody hasn't come forward with a significant donation so that it doesn't come down to the final days here on the GoFundMe page? Well, I don't know if I'm, I would say surprised. I, it would, I mean, some nobody knew exactly how urgent this was at the time. Uh, we were hoping it wouldn't become urgent, so we just kept fundraising, kept promoting, and all the above. Um, and so I don't know if it's if it's the urgency that might bring people out, we're hoping. Um, but like I said, it could be, we have 60,000 people attend the parade every year. Uh, in theory, $1 from all of those people would, uh, would cover it. But uh, I know that's not necessarily how it works. So it could be any combination of the above. It could be one person coming in saying, this can't fail, I'm going to help you out. Or it could be uh, 10 or 20,000 people giving us, you know, a few dollars each. And there is a chance, if you don't reach this number, that there will not be a Santa Claus parade this year. Uh, there's a very real chance of that, yes. Hmm. Yeah, I, I'm going to read some of the reaction and, and emails and text messages, and I've got a couple people waiting on the phone. I mean, people are really upset about this. The history of this event in our city and the fact that so many people enjoy it every year, this is really sad. 
Yeah, absolutely. Well, Monica, I really hope that people step up and go to that uh, GoFundMe page. By the way, it's Save Winnipeg Santa Claus Parade and uh, and donate. You've got a $1,000 donation from just a few hours ago. Uh, as you said, it can be a bunch of little ones or a handful of big ones, but we need to get there, and I, I really hope you do it. Yeah, exactly. Thank you very much. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm very confident in Winnipeg. This, this has to happen. <laughs> I agree. Thanks, Monica. Appreciate your time. Thank you so much. All right. So, Monica Dirksen, the director of Winnipeg Santa Claus Parade, how do you feel about the idea of this not happening? This would be the 109th Santa Claus Parade here in Winnipeg. Seems crazy that we're talking about it not carrying on, but it's a real possibility. Dave is on the phone, 204-780-6868. Hi, CJOB. Hey, how Dredge? How are you, sir? <laughs> I'm fine, and sorry you uh, had a tough night, buddy. Yeah, oh my gosh. Those gallbladder attacks are horrible, but I'm fine now. Yeah, painful. Yep, horrible. Yeah. Hey, listen, Hal, you know this... Uh... Santa Claus Parade, and I went to that as a kid. Yep. Something I always thought, and I'd like to know how much it cost us, that big tree at City Hall. Now, I know that tree's donated, but mm-hmm. you need a crane. Yep. I know some of them cranes are 750 bucks an hour. Yep. You need a crane, mm-hmm. you need a truck, then you pay QP workers that are paid good money. Yep. you got to put the lights on it, and there's nowhere to park to even go see it. I wouldn't take my kids there anyway. And why don't they skip the tree? Then they got to take all the lights off. They got to take the tree down with a crane. They got to cut it up and get rid of it. Yeah. And nobody gets any enjoyment out of it. Santa Claus Parade is for kids, you know? Yeah. And, yeah. and wh- how much does that tree cost us? I really would like to know because I'll tell you, it probably costs us. I know what cranes cost, my yeah. trade. Yeah. So if you had to pick, you would pick the parade over that tree. Yeah, because you know what, Hal? I've been in, I'm 60 years old. Yeah. Uh, I, and if you're driving down Main Street, and it's in the back there, and you might get the glance at it to, what, 10, 15 seconds. Mm-hmm. Are you going to go drive, find parking to walk up and go look at it? Never yeah. done that. Mm-hmm. Now, I would I would get rid of the tree and right. give the money and, and put it to the old Santa Claus parade. Cause well, I went to that all my life. <laughs> we will put it out there and see if others agree with you. I think so. All right, Dave. Hell, uh, take care of your health. Eh? Thanks, buddy. Take care. That's our old friend Dredge Dave there saying, let's not do the big tree at City Hall. Let's put that money uh, toward the Santa Claus Parade. Here's another one from Calvin. Al, the city spent over nine hundred k, nine hundred thousand dollars on the big Jets whiteout parties, and they can't spend sixty k on the little kids for the Santa Claus Parade. Please, everyone, get rid of this stupid mayor <laughs> from Calvin. Well, listen, you know what? If they said here's sixty grand, then we'd have people complaining about. 60,000 of our tax dollars being spent on the Santa Claus parade. So it kind of goes both ways. Kathy is on the phone. Hi, Kathy. What did you want to say? Hi, Hal. Hi. Um, well, I guess it depends what's important to you and where you are in your life. Like Dave just said that the tree was not necessary. Well, mm. maybe for Dave, yep. it's not. I don't know what it costs to put up the tree. I missed that part. But the tree also represents the sparkle and the twinkle and the excitement of Christmas. And for some people in that area, yeah. it's good for them. The Santa Claus parade for little people and big people, because even grownups like to go watch it. It's exciting. Christmas is exciting, but it can also be depressing for people. So I guess it depends who you are, yeah. where you are, 
and what your circumstance in life is. Absolutely. Um, and, I, I, and, I, and I think I, that, that might be why the GoFundMe is the way to go. If you want to contribute yeah. a few bucks, go and contribute, Kathy. And if Dave wants to, I'm, Dave I'm, can. Cal, uh, I'm on my way down right now. Excellent. Hal Anderson Afternoons, the podcast, is available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and anywhere you find your favorite podcasts.